Welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. We are so excited to be talking about a very deep issue today, something that everybody kind of chit chats about, but are we really talking about the same thing? So I have with me today, Mark Minig. He is the Chief Product Officer at Pure Spectrum, and it's been my privilege to meet him here and there in the market research field space at the conferences. I know we're all missing conferences, and I was telling Mark earlier that I actually fell asleep last night dreaming of the food that we were eating at Austin for IIEX North America. And so we are really going to try to focus on some really deep market research issues today <laughs> and maybe not just completely wax on about food. Mark Menig, welcome to Ponderings from the Perch. Thank you so much, Priscilla. I really appreciate you having me on this morning um, and really excited to kind of talk about you know some of the things that we've got on the, the agenda for today. I'm excited. Hopefully the, the listeners will enjoy it. Awesome. Well, I've also been privileged enough to meet several on your team. In fact, a lot of them came to Insights Marketing Day last year. So it's been, you know, just an all around love fest. But for those of you who don't know Pure Spectrum, they are an intelligent marketplace is how they put that for <laughs> buyers and sellers of online sample. And you're going to see uh, today that we're going to go a little bit deep into some of that intelligence. And they have on their team, engineers, client advocates, and online sampling experts, but really where they focus is their mission to reinvent how sample is bought and sold right now. So we're going to hear very specifically about what's going on that's fresh and new at, uh, at Pure Spectrum, but also what's same old, same old? Where's the focus that really is at the core of the ethos of your company and what hasn't changed? So let, let's get cracking with that, Mark. Absolutely. If you ever feel like you want to get nerdy, can you just I'm going to give you permission right now to get nerdy. Is that okay? I, I often do get nerdy when I start talking about these things, especially with the data quality, having spent such a large percentage of, you know, my career and, you know, my history with the true sample business and those types of things around these data quality topics and, and issues. So uh, if I get too nerdy, feel free to reel me in. <laughs> oh, are you kidding? It's MR world. No such thing. So, well, we all are really familiar with this topic because the moment someone says data quality, it's like, oh, I know, I know where we're going with this, but do we, do we really? Yeah, so, right. We're, we're all familiar with it, yet we all really don't know what the other's actually talking about at right. the end of the day is, right. is what I've found in these things. Um, you know, because this concept of quality, is, it's very subjective mm. at the same time. As much as we want there to be one ubiquitous truth, uh, there just isn't, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the old adages of, you know, one person's trash is another person's treasure and, and those types of things, you know, that gets to really the core of the, you know, kind of subjective nature of some of these things. Mm -hmm. and, and as well as even within the type of the research, mm -hmm. the, the value of the decision that you're making the simple reality is, is there's not a one size fits all, you know, approach to these things. Uh, and it's been exacerbated dealing with it in our industry because we've moved into such a data heavy society and world, mm -hmm. right? And, and this kind of incredible evolution in the, you know, internet of things world that we live in where, I mean, what, our refrigerators are internet enabled, <laughs> our toasters are internet enabled, you know, what's not a Wi-Fi connection anymore, right? right and right. so it's really changed how we have to think about all of these things, as well as think about just the volume of data that we have to synthesize, analyze, and ultimately make, you know, hopefully smart decisions as a result. 
Right. And all of those devices that we just talked about in the Internet of mm-hmm. Things, you know, those are all um, occurring in real life to all the consumers that we're trying to reach. And they're also struggling with the Internet of Things and, and totally. with all of the data that's running at them. But let's talk a little bit about market research specifically and how the the concept and the how, how the topic of of quality emerges. And I, I just have to say thank you so much for starting this by saying quality is subjective because so many people have this notion, no, it is this, it is this, but it, it just, that just to me opens up this whole conversation for something more, more, more rich. Um, mm-hmm. So the thing you talked about, what is ubiquitous also is the fact that uh, that we are trying to move faster and faster to get to that consumer whose experience is changing and changing rapidly. And that's really your business is getting to that sample, um, right? And so in that drive for greater agility, uh, faster, cheaper, better, however anybody (laughs) wants to put it, sometimes quality just goes boop and just drops out the bottom of the equation. The old adage is you can have any two right? Mm-hmm. Combination of the the three sides of the triangle mm-hmm. um, and something has to give. Right. And, you know, for whatever reason, a lot of times, you know, I think data quality gets the majority of the conversation um, and kind of the airtime, you know, mm-hmm. like we are here today. Um, but when push comes to shove, I think a lot of times, you know, buyers and sellers end up in a little bit of a struggle and a conflict with each other because on time and on budget, often are the ones that, you know, become the, the two sides of the triangle that get chosen um, when, when they have to make that decision, mm-hmm. right? right? And so I think a big part of our vision and, and our desire is, is part of that reinvention of, you know, the way sample is bought and sold and using technology, using automation is to say, you know, maybe we can get all three sides of the triangle, actually. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and let's so see what... That let's see what new advances in technology and techniques are are coming along that are going to allow for that type of vision to actually be realized. Mm, and, okay. and that's what we think we're, we're, you know, this is the, the old iceberg, um, you know, analogy type of thing, <laughs> right, right? right? We're, right. we're really still dealing with just that tip of the iceberg and there's so much underneath the surface of the water here still. Um, but it's kind of like, we're, we're exposing more and more of the iceberg as the the techniques and the methodologies and things of artificial intelligence, machine learning, artificial mm-hmm. neural networks, as these things advance, because we're at the very kind of infancy of, of these techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're really going to lend us to new things, better things as a result, as we incorporate them into our businesses, our industry, the world around us. I love that. And I'm going to let you get nerdy on this. So, but let me, sure. before you go really deep <laughs> on that, let me back you up just a little bit for people who really aren't familiar with Pure Spectrum and, and where you start on that journey. So yeah. tell me a little bit first about Pure Score and about first time respondent data quality and things around, let's kind of start at that basic. And then I really want you to go and, you know, and share with my audience that deeper um, experience. Like what are the, what are the really the mechanisms that we're using in order to get at this data? So, so start there and I'm going to, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you nerd out. Okay. Yeah, no, that's (laughs) great. I appreciate it. Um, So let's, let me start with kind of the, the formation of, of pure score. Um, we always had something that was kind of pure score like at pure spectrum, um, but it was very business rule driven, 
And, and so it was making these decisions that have been kind of hard coded by human experience and expertise, right? So it was very limited in that way. And it was considered, you know, best possible at that time. And, and that's very important for people, I think, in our industry to remember, too, is, is we're always trying to do whatever is the best possible now, recognizing that advancements will come, that bar will move, right? We're moving the goalposts, so to speak. Um, but that's okay, because it's recognizing that at any given moment, we simply want to do our best given the available tools and techniques. Now, I think there is an onus on companies, and we certainly believe this, right? This is why we do this, and why we believe in quality as a foundational element of our company, is as those things evolve, as a better solution presents itself, we, we believe we have a responsibility, to, to take advantage, to learn how to uh, employ those tools and techniques into our business for value creation, right? Value creation up and down the entire ecosystem, right? It's a very rich ecosystem of companies that touch a commissioned research project. If you've ever actually kind of mapped that out and all the peoples and companies that touch, you know, some aspect of a market research project, a whole lot goes into it. Right. And that's a good thing, because at the end of the day, you're trying to generate an insight that somebody at the very end of that process is actually going to make a real business decision as a result. And, and they have to decide and feel confident in the decision that they're going to make is going to have a positive outcome for their business. Mm, absolutely. Of course, it's not <laughs> so, infallible. Right. right. Um, you will make bad decisions. We all have and every business does. Um, but the goal is to try to reduce the number of times that that happens, not make mm -hmm. the same bad ones over and over again. Okay. Um, so pure score coming back to kind of, why did we, why did we move it into the artificial intelligence, advanced machine learning kind of space? Um, and it was because we wanted to make pure score become a 100% data driven concept, right? So removing that kind of human element from it, because we felt like it was going to restrict us going forward. So a lot of times when I'm talking about this, I talk about hippos, right? So not the, the big friendly gray creatures um, type of thing, but actually the, the highest paid person's opinion. So another acronym, so HPPO, hippo. Um, oftentimes decisions and different things in our businesses get made as a result of those hippos. Mm -hmm. And it's so ironic in this in this particular conversation, because that's actually why we commission research is so that we stop doing that. That's right. Isn't that true? That's right. That's it. Well, very, is very it? Is it right? I'll get a little controversial <laughs> okay. for a second, right? Because fair how enough, much? Fair how much? How much research gets commissioned to validate a hippo's oh, opinion? That's a whole other podcast, right? Right. Now you're really bringing it through the mud. But yeah, that is such a great. You know, that's a, such a great layer to this conversation. Is to say, what Absolutely. are we really trying to achieve here? I, yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's take a short break. Let's be honest, we're all under stress and I cannot be the only one wishing I was sitting in Napa with a glass of wine in hand. Well, a little good news, our friends at Pure Spectrum are making all of our dreams come true. To celebrate the launch of this podcast episode, they are generously giving away an unforgettable virtual wine tasting, quote unquote, in Napa. Sample some of the best wines from the region from the safety of your home. 
be sure to show us a picture on social media. It's so simple to enter to win. Visit purespectrum.com forward slash giveaway. Pure Spectrum is a quality fur sampling platform where quality experiences go beyond sample. Thanks so much for providing this giveaway. Let's have some fun. Okay, so, so tell us about that ecosystem up and down that you mentioned and how, mm -hmm. you know, show us those levers. Like, you know, how is machine learning in there? How is artificial intelligence? If you want to go to this 100% data-driven, what, what does that really look like? Yeah, start with kind of wrapping your head around the volume of data. So we were talking a little bit about it earlier. As a society, we have so much more uh, data generation that happens around us. So data generation is hardly our problem. Um, as an industry, as a society, those types of things, data synthesis is, is really where the challenge lies. Um, and that's where these new advances in artificial intelligence, machine learning, are really kind of opening new doors to people. Um, and just to give you a tangible example of that. So just in the kind of teaching and training portion of PureScore being moved from more of that kind of business Boolean rules to a true um, you know, data-driven model, uh, we use 32 million rows of data to, to build the initial model, right? And so a lot of times people think of, you know, doing data analysis and this and that, and they're going to open their Excel and they're going <laughs> to run their power pivot table and, you know, all of that. And I'm, I'm envisioning this at Starbucks. You open your laptop to get that Excel with 32 million lines and it like, and, and the laptop falls out onto the floor. Well, it falls <laughs> onto the floor. <laughs> it, it, it flashes a warning at you that the file was not completely open right. because, because Excel has a limit, mm -hmm. right? Excel limits you to a little over a million rows, which seems like a lot. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but just to give context to that, a million rows of data is roughly two days of transactions on our wow. platform. Wow. Right. So every two days we're exceeding Excel's ability to do anything. Mm -hmm. And so if I want to look at a week's trend or a month's trend or a quarter's or God forbid, a year's trend, <laughs> um, you know, Excel and Google Sheets is no different. Right. These right. all have the right. same limits. And so you really need these new tools, these new techniques to do that. Mm -hmm. Because and, they're and not really... designed to do that. You guys have specifically Correct. carved this out, designed to do exactly what is needed today to get that very best answer. That's right. And, and the cool thing of when you start getting into that volume of data is it's impossible for a human being to actually look at it and analyze it. Mm -hmm. and, and if you think about it, when you look at you know, 32 million rows, you're just like, oh my gosh, like what, what am I supposed to find here? Mm -hmm. and, and that's where the power of machine learning comes into play. The concepts of unsupervised machine learning, supervised machine learning, uh, unsupervised meaning you're just allowing the machine to kind of look at the data and tell you the types of patterns that it sees, right? It's a great way to start with the analysis of a massive amount of data is to just do some unsupervised learning. Don't try to, uh, you know, overanalyze or assume that you know what that much data is going to say, those types of things. Let the computer do the power of lifting for you mm -hmm. and get you into some manageable things that you want to then kind of isolate in, zero in on through some supervised learning where you start telling it, okay, now that we know this, let's look closer at this, this, and this mm -hmm. type of thing. Well, you brought up this concept, uh, which, you know, maybe you want to talk about it, you know, really, you know, maybe calling a few people to task in the industry. But this sure. idea that sometimes we do come to uh, data in order to prove our point. 
But uh -huh. what I'm hearing is that the ideal client for Pure Spectrum is not someone who's doing that. And so tell us a little bit about who, who really would make the best use out of the technology and the, you know, the suite of, of, of services that you've put together. Yeah, I think where someone would just go, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I've been where I, I my poke life. I poke fun, right? But I right. also think that the majority of data and insights professionals have have actually done a tremendous job as an industry over the last decade, really showing how data can be used properly to make smarter decisions. Mm -hmm. And and they've it's also proven, I think, time and again how sometimes those hippos, uh, it really just is an opinion. And, and it's not rooted in fact. And that's the importance of kind of eliminating uh, opinion from our decision-making, right? It's okay to have it be a facet, right? Gut instincts and those types of things exist for a reason. And, and some people have tremendous acumen when it comes to having a gut instinct for something. Um, many of us, myself included, I'd really rather have data, right? At the end of the day, um, I trust the data. I trust that the data has an ability to... Uh, include a much wider set of opinions mm -hmm. uh, to understand what would this really look like in the real world with this decision or this product launch or this name your business activity, right? Put into action, can I predict the outcome that's gonna have with a high degree of confidence and accuracy, mm, right? Okay. And that's kind of the goal. I love it. I love it. So I want to come back to something you said a little earlier on. You said that really the onus is on um, the industry to mm -hmm. do everything they possibly can to get the best answer now. And what I hear in that is this sense of always learning, always reforming, always staying curious, always being flexible. So I guess my question that I'd love to hear from you is what personally is exciting for you? Like what's coming next for Pure Spectrum and, and in that commitment to quality? What's the thing that's getting you up on, on Monday morning saying, we're going we're gonna to push a little bit more on what? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the original model, right? The 32 million rows of data that we talked about and, and kind of the unsupervised machine learning um, we found we found groups, right? It naturally kind of coalesced into these patterned groups of, of individuals um, based on not just demographics, not just psychographics, right? It was a very multifaceted, multivariate kind of model that found, you know, as we went into and dissected what we were seeing, the data and what it was finding, what it was telling us to look closer at and do the supervised machine learning around. Right, we found three distinct classes, and these distinct classes, I would say, probably don't, um, you know, blow your mind, so to speak. <laughs> um, but they were very important to understand how to classify individuals at scale in real time. Right, so you had one respondents who consistently exhibited good, honest behavior. Right, great, cream of the crop. Uh, two respondents who occasionally faltered. Okay, so human nature. Right, we're all fallible. Um, probably still just fine though, right? And then three, respondents who consistently committed fraudulent transactions and, and identifying what a fraudulent transaction actually is, mm -hmm. what it looks like, defining why it's fraudulent, those types of things. Mm -hmm. All of that allowed us to create what we call our ideal respondent, right? And then we're creating a deviation score essentially from the ideal. That's our pure score zero to 10 mm -hmm. uh, scoring method. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, which basically says that, you know, a 10, perfect 10, right? Just concepts that are kind of not ubiquitous, but well understood across, yeah, easy, you know, other yeah, aspects of life and, and yeah. those types of things. Certainly. We didn't get our summer Olympics this year, unfortunately. <laughs> Otherwise, I feel like we would have all been, you know, a little more tuned in with our perfect 10s for some gymnastics. And <laughs> right, whatnot. right. Um, exactly. But then, you know, the respondent with the largest deviation, you know, would score the lowest, right? They'd be a zero type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that allowed us to really understand, okay, where is the inflection point, right? Where is the real problem group, right? That group three that we identified. And, and it turns out it's not broken into, you know, kind of equal percentages and those types of things, because that group three actually ends up scoring at a five or below type of thing. And, and so then a above five becomes part of the combination of groups one and two. Hmm. And, and from a data perspective and a data quality perspective, it's also important to remember not to, uh, you know, the, the old euphemism of throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Um, you can certainly throw out too much data when you're hmm. doing data quality and data cleaning. And mm-hmm. it's really more about uh, risk reduction. And, and I found a lot of times our industry, we're not great at understanding the concept of risk. Um, and I really wish we would talk to you know, people and have more, uh, whether it's guest speakers or keynote speakers or, you know, uh, interactive sessions with folks from the insurance, the insurance industry, Hmm. really, really good understanders of risk and how to price for risk (laughs) and, and all of those things. right? Right. Because that's what they do. Right. And, and they have their, their various tables that they're doing to calculate essentially risk. And then that correlates to the premium that they're going to pay on a policy, those types of things. But see, to have that conversation, you have to have people come in and embrace several things that you've already said to you are a foundational thing. It's not perfect. Um, There's some risk. And then it's that truly deep understanding that we are using this data to make probably very expensive decisions in business. And so if that's you right. don't think that's risky, <laughs> then then we probably shouldn't go on to step two. But it, it, it is hard for people to bring that back into the equation because they want to think that they're doing these things that are is going to completely eliminate risk when what I hear you saying is that, no, we need to mitigate risk and we need to understand where it's coming from. That's exactly right. You, you nailed that. And I've, over the years, I've often used kind of the analogy into kind of just something that is, let's call it mundane and normal day-to-day activities and in your, your life to kind of crystallize this concept of risk and risk mitigation. So just for a second, close your eyes, imagine you realize, oh, I need a gallon of milk. I got to run to the corner store. Okay. So, so what do you do, right? Mm-hmm. You're probably going to go out to your car you're going to hop in your car and you're going to drive to that corner market and grab that, that carton of milk, right? Did you put your seatbelt on? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, you're just going to the corner market, right? It's, oh, it's half a mile away. This is a great analogy because you had me, Mark. <laughs> yeah. And I've mitigated that risk on, you know, through just, you know, exactly. things to me that completely make sense. And things that really at this point are on autopilot, which is a little bit to your point, is that over time we do put some of these things on autopilot and we put our energy instead into these new ways that we think we can leverage. And and it's our duty to continue to leverage better and better things that mitigate that risk. Yeah. And the flip side of it, too, is let's say you didn't put your seatbelt on, you know, not that you ever would do that. Right. But let's say you didn't. 
did you just guarantee yourself getting in an accident? No, of no, course not. Not at all. Did you increase the risk of a catastrophic outcome in the event of an accident? Yeah, you certainly did. Right. Right. Yes. And that's that's the nuance of risk mitigation that people kind of fail to really grasp onto sometimes mm-hmm. is that it's not about preventing the accident from happening, right? We can't do those things. Like those will happen. It's about reducing the negative impact if there is an accident. If there is. Oh, I love that. That was really juicy. Okay. So you said I nailed something else before, but I got to tell you, Mark, your your team actually nailed something with me. So I'm going to give them a big uh, shout yeah, out and kudos. Absolutely. But, you know, of course, I don't do any of this. The team okay. does all this, by the way. <laughs> That's okay. so they, have, they just I... let me talk with people like you. So it's good. <laughs> I have one of those teams too. So listen, we're, we're very lucky. It's but fabulous. of course, we thank you for your time and bringing this expertise. What we're trying to do at Ponderings for the Perch is pull that curtain back and have um, better conversations about what's going on and hear from thought leaders about where they feel there's vulnerability and where we can improve and just those real, real conversations. But your team uh, reached out to us and they are going to do something nice for our audience. So we're going to tee it up. But just so you know, Mark, I mean, they've actually put a very cool giveaway. Um, They're going to be giving away some virtual wine tastings to some of our audience. And I think it just kind of falls in line with uh, the ethos at Pure Spectrum where you're, you're, you know, trying to uh, have these great conversations, but interact in a way where we can elevate the conversation. And so it's not always That's about, right. you know, let's get right to the, you know, heart of the matter. Let's start these conversations. Let's let's get in communication. And inevitably we're going to land into a great conversation. So I love that they offer to give away just to start interacting, you know, with our listeners. And I think that's such a cool response to understanding, you know, the ecosystem that is ponderings from the purge. So just so you know, big kudos to you. Absolutely. Yeah, no, they do. They do great stuff like that. And I think it is a big part of, you know, as much as, you know, we're talking a lot today about the data side of our business, Mm -hmm. um, there's still a very important human side of our business too. Um, And we really believe in that. We really believe in the relationship and those types of things, because, you know, I talk to people all the time and, I will ask people to spend a few minutes discussing with me how we'll handle a data quality issue when it happens. Mm-hmm. And it usually catches people kind of off guard <laughs> because they're like, well, but pure score and blah, blah, blah. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, but nothing's perfect. Right. right. So I'd rather have an open, honest dialogue with you mm-hmm. so that we can have a kind of SOP, standard operating mm-hmm. procedure in the event that something does happen. Mm-hmm. Right. It's unlikely to be frequent. Um, but it's also unlikely to never happen if you work with us for five, 10 years, right? Just the odds are something's going to happen at some point. And I want you to know you've been able to have a proactive dialogue with anybody on our team about how you would like that to be handled so that you don't have to worry about it in the heat of the moment. You just go to the playbook and say, yeah, oh, but this Pure time... Spectrum is going to take care of this with me. Here's what we're doing. Well, not only are they going to take care of it, but we're probably going to be able to have this conversation over wine. So that's always good. <laughs> Exactly. Everything's better over wine, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Never, never (laughs) causes a problem. (laughs) So Mark, thank you so much. Uh, You've been listening to Mark Menig, uh, the Chief Product Officer from Pure Spectrum, and absolutely go go check out their website, but connect with him on LinkedIn, and then obviously enter the giveaway and start a great conversation. Add your two cents in here. Let's make this a better ecosystem. So Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you as well, and to your listeners as well. This was great. Thank you so much. From all of the peeps here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.